Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. This is the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, episode 63. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Have you ever put all your heart and soul into an architecture project? Developed it from inception at Schematic Design, developed all the details during design development, assembled the construction documents, bid it out, and then handed it off to some unknown contractor to build. How often do we do this? How often do our ideas get revised and simplified and value engineered just to make it easier for the contractor to build? Have you ever thought, I can do this better? I wish I could control the project all the way through construction. I wish I could make certain that all my ideas are fully executed and every detail is exactly the way I want it. Have you ever considered how beneficial it would be to you as the architect to control the quality of your projects, manage the expectations of your client, and assure that they are raving fans when the project is complete, and then they go tell their friends how you, the architect, built their home instead of the contractor basking in all that glory? Well, today's guest on the Entrepreneur Architect podcast did something about that. 
Last year, this past year, with a new modern home on his boards, he pitched the idea of constructing that project to his client, and the client agreed, and Dig Architecture was born. Today on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, I'm speaking with my friend Nicholas Renard about his architecture firm, Cody Renard Architecture, talking about how he's marketing his Florida-based firm and how and why he launched Dig Architecture, his new construction management company. So stick with me. We're going to have a great conversation. This episode of the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast is brought to you by Entrepreneur Architect Academy. It's a community of like-minded architects seeking to take their small firms to greater success. You need to be in this academy. Membership at Entrepreneur Architect Academy includes the live weekly video conference where the members and I meet each week to discuss a specific topic on business, leadership, or life, and we work together to help each other be better architects. We've discussed everything from contracts to sales and marketing to negotiation and how to be more productive as small firm architects. We record every session and members have access to dozens of videos in the private video library. And membership includes a private member community where during the week, members post and communicate and share information in a protected forum. And there is so much more. So if you're interested in learning more about Entrepreneur Architect Academy, please visit entrearchitect.com slash academy. Nicholas Renard, welcome to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. Thank you for having me, Mark. Yeah, thanks for having uh, Thanks for being here. Um, you and I have known each other for quite a while now, probably a couple of years. Uh, it seems like that, yeah. Yeah, I think we connected originally on Twitter, and, uh, and now we communicate probably on a daily basis through social media. Um, we, you know, I follow what you do, and you follow what I do, and you're certainly part of that core group of architects on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Thank you. That uh, I would say that um, every architect should be on Twitter and should be, be part of that group. We should actually name that group and start... Uh, you know, we should start a hashtag or something that that we can uh, that we can all connect through, but uh, we can talk about that some other day. Um, you're an architect based in Jacksonville, Florida, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, and um, you just launched a new company that we'll get into a little bit, I think, that's separate from your architecture firm, which is very interesting. Which yeah. is why I wanted to have you here today. Um, but before we get into that, I want to do what we always do here at the podcast is to get a little bit of background on you and what you do and, and where you've come from. So let's talk about your origin story a little bit. Go back as far as you feel like going back and tell us your story to, uh, to get to where you are today. Sure. Um, I uh, grew up in Ohio. Didn't really know much about architects or anything growing up. Um, I knew I liked to build stuff, um, Lego. I, I like to draw, so one day I was kind of in high school looking for a direction, went to my guidance counselor, all right, it's almost time to go to college, I don't know what I want to do with my life, and he said, well, I see you're, you're good at math, you're good at science, and you, you kind of like to draw, you should become an architect, they make lots of money, <laughs> like, well, that's true, I'm, I am good at math, I do like to draw, and I, I would like to make lots of money, so I, uh, you know, I, I progressed. That way, I looked at uh, going to Ohio State and uh, Cincinnati. Ended up at Cincinnati, and then the first day of class, our our professor came in and said, "Your guidance counselors lied to you. Architects don't make lots of money." <laughs> and 
said, all right, I'm going to stick around. But there was actually two people that got up and left the class and we never saw them again. So um, I went through uh, Cincinnati. I started at Cincinnati as a pre-architect student. I missed getting accepted into their architecture program by one point on my ACT. Um, so always had to fight for everything um, at school. Uh, it, was, uh, it was an uphill battle. There was 30-some, I think, pre-architecture students. Half of us got accepted into the architecture program, and we had to do three-quarters of studio over the summer following our freshman year. And then uh, we, we did, uh, I think it, that program did put a good drive into the people that were in it because most of the people that went through the pre-architecture program in my class actually graduated. Um, and I know three of us actually own businesses now, um, which I don't know how many of my other classmates that were regular architecture students can say that. Um, before my senior year of school, I got diagnosed, or I got sick, I got really sick, and then I ended up getting diagnosed with ulcerative colitis um, probably two months into my senior thesis, and really changed my life. Um, I had some professors kind of encourage me maybe to take the year off. Um, I was really sick, probably should have been in the hospital. Always just fought through it. It was another, it's another point in my life where I think it strengthened my will to do things and to succeed because I wasn't going to let the disease beat me. I wasn't going to let the disease put me off the course I was on, and I've kind of maintained that through my life. And you know, you follow me, you can see I'm an advocate for uh, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. So um, I live, I live with it out there, and uh, don't don't let that dictate my life. And then from there, I went to Columbus, Ohio to work for a few years. Uh, we re relocated to Jacksonville in 2007, worked for another firm here for a year, and then found, found my partner today, and we opened up Cody Bernard Architecture in 2008. We've been doing that ever since. Great. That's, and so tell us a little bit about Cody Bernard and, and uh, what you do there. Sure. Um, we... Uh, my partner was a, has been a residential uh, designer architect here in Jacksonville for um, 20 plus years, 25 plus years now. And he was kind of looking, he was not licensed in Florida. His, he held a license in DC. And uh, because of his schooling, he wasn't allowed to reciprocate. Florida didn't recognize his school as an accredited program, couldn't reciprocate here. Um, so he wanted to bring someone on with a commercial background with a license to kind of um, chase after commercial work, which at that time I was fine because that's all I wanted to do was commercial work. And uh, we never really kind of thought the um, financial crisis would be what it was going to be. I think we saw it coming a little bit, but never imagined that it was going to be as bad as it was, which most people didn't. Yeah. And uh, so... We started our company with a couple commercial projects, a restaurant, and a multi-project. The multi-family project, uh, we designed the whole thing and got paid for it, which is good, but it's never going to get built. Uh, the restaurant did get built. and uh, um, But beyond that, most of our work was residential, and I had to kind of find my way back to residential. And um, I actually 
think that I enjoy now doing residential more than commercial. But for the whole downturn, we were, uh, you know, we stayed alive doing a lot of remodels and a house here and there every year. And uh, your staff is just, it's just you and your partner, right? Currently, there's the two of us. Uh, we have three dogs in the office, and then we have, we just brought in an uh, intern that's going to be with us till May from, she's from Texas A&M, so she's going to kind of help us um, with some of our drafting work and, and probably help me a lot uh, with some of the things I'm doing as I'm transitioning with, the, with this new company. And, and you're primarily residential now. I mean, you, you have a, a commercial background. Your intent was to come in as a commercial architect and bring that work to the new firm. But, uh, but from my understanding, from, from following you, and, and, and uh, uh, you know, it sounds like you're pretty much residential now, correct? Yeah, I would say, yeah, we're 75% re- residential and probably 60% to 50% of that, of that 75 is new construction um you know we for our commercial side we do a restaurants occasionally uh we've done some clubhouse work but it's it's not like we're doing you know we don't do schools or we don't do um, a lot of government work or anything like that or military which is bigger down here right and and you know i i see your marketing your marketing is pretty much focused at a target market of residential you know yeah that's mostly new custom homes right that's yeah that's that's what we target yeah yeah um and it's it's i would say i would describe the style sort of as as modern but um certainly respectful to the traditional architecture of its context correct uh it depends who you're talking to in our office if it's me (laughs) it's it's much more contemporary work if it's my partner um he's much more traditional and that kind of helps us reach a larger audience in the custom realm. Jacksonville isn't, um, there isn't a large desire yet here for contemporary work. It's it's growing and, and there is a lot more of it than there even was five years ago. But um, w- with, with both of us, you know, being able to do different things, it really helps our firm. And it, it really helped our firm make it through the downturn just because, we can offer services to more people i think and how do you how do you break up the work do you each have your own projects and just work with them independently or do you collaborate we don't do much collaboration with with one when one of us gets kind of stuck on something or wants just to kind of a second opinion we'll present to each other but for the most part um there isn't much collaboration between us we've we've collaborated probably on two houses in the seven years we've been open. Um, more so on the commercial side, but really residential. It's just whichever one of us you you sign up with is who you have pretty much solely throughout the whole project. Right. So it's it's somebody calls the firm and, and is looking for one of you through a contact, right? And that's pretty much yeah, how you yeah, decide. Referral, yeah, on referral. Base people call looking for one of the two of us. We do get some cold calls, and when that happens, we both sit in on the interview and mm-hmm. kind of determine who's a better fit office for the project. Right, and that it usually becomes pretty evident. We're usually not fighting over a house. Right. What and what are you doing for marketing? Because I see that 
your marketing is pretty professional looking. How, how are you marketing the firm? Yeah, about a year ago, um, for the f first five five or so years, I was doing it all. I was doing the Facebook, I was doing the Twitter, Instagram, and I just couldn't keep up anymore. We were too busy. I didn't have time to do it. And one of our builders got us in touch with a, actually two of our builders were using a marketing agency here and they said, you should really go talk to them. And, um, and we did and we kind of hit it off and they, they catered their package to what we wanted to do. And, um, we may grow with them this year. We may do some more things with them, but they kind of were happy to target Facebook, Google plus and house for us. And so they completely took that over and it was nice because the one thing that I always looked at was all, everything I did was in an architect's eye and for some reason in my head it made sense to do it to impress other architects and the first thing they said is that's not your target audience your tar target target audience is housewives and I, I'm, like, I'm never going to create a, a graphic or something that my brain just doesn't work like that so they kind of it, I mean, the group is a group of ladies, and they took it over, and, and half the posts, the first few weeks, I hated. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you guys. You're the professionals here. This is what you do. You know, our, our future in marketing is in your hands, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go along for the ride. And, you know, I've, I've, I've come to the understanding that this is, you know, they're, they're on the right approach, and I was not. So what do they do for you? Is it mainly social media or is there any anything else they're working on for you? It is all social media. Um, you know, we've had some talks about uh, some other avenues, um, uh, you know, trying to get published, trying to um, uh, work on some of our blogging because uh, we I just don't have the time to do a lot of blogs with what I, everything else I'm doing. And so we, we may, that's how we may grow with them this year, but it's mainly through, through social media that they've done our work. And you said it was Facebook, Twitter, and House? And, and House, yeah. They've really kind of done a lot for us on House and opened us up on the inner workings of that platform. And have you actually gotten work through, through their marketing that you know is direct through that work? I think two projects. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah, so that's not bad. And I mean, I don't know. One was more of a, a, a referral from a friend. So I don't know how much um, that was through the marketing side, but we have had get gotten some more exposure from our house, which we never got prior to them coming on board. Yeah. And without getting into details on how much you're spending on it, but what's the kind of structure that you have worked, worked out for them? Is it just a flat rate that you're paying them? Yeah, it's a flat monthly rate. And um, it can, you know, it's kind of an a la carte menu. We can, ex we're kind of at the minimum right now that yeah. they're willing to go with us, but we can always expand and take stuff that out to go back to the minimum to kind of find what works best for us. And you found them through a, a referral from a contractor, you said, right? Yep. Yep. That's interesting. And their their name, I'll give them a quick plug, is Mar Maria Chrysovergas Public Relations. Okay, we'll we'll link so, them up in the uh, in the show notes so they get. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you their website. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, can you still hear me? Yeah. I think I lost you. You there? 
Yeah. Can you okay. Hear me? Yep. I hear you. All the right. audio just changed. Um, so let's get into uh, into the new company. Tell us what the name of the new company is and what it does. What's your services there? All right. Um, so the new company is called Dig Architecture. Um, it is completely owned by me. Um, and right now, the, the the direction of the company is to offer construction management services to um, clients of mine that do contemporary work. And really, it's only one project at a time right now because that's all I think I can really manage and keep the, the other side of the business, or actually Cody Renard, going strong. And I mean, the first my first goal is to make sure Cody Renard stays strong, but then to kind of grow this other company and to see what happens with it. And it all really, it's been in the back of my mind for years. And actually, it was the um, the um, what was it? the um, I started thinking about this more heavily last year and I was starting to think about it, write some thoughts down and then out of the blue, a client of mine just said, would you like to build our house? <laughs> and I sat back and thought about it and I, this is a direction I may like to go someday, I'm not really ready, but you're exactly the client I'd want to work for, it's exactly the size house, it, you know, it's a a design I really like. You know, it's, it was an opportunity that I just didn't want to pass up. So we kind of scrambled, accelerated everything much faster than I thought it would go, and got the company set up. It actually took us forever to come up with a name, even though it sounds simple. And it was actually um, a friend of ours, uh, America, who finally convinced me on this name. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, she, you know, we were going back and forth and she kind of was, you know, I was bouncing some things off her as we do because, um, you know, we kind of have a similar size firm, similar age and dealing with some of the same stuff. And she, you know, I had it down to like three names and she said, you got to go with Dig. It kind of, it, it conveys the message that you're not afraid to roll your sleeves up and get your hand dirty. And she said, plus, who doesn't dig architecture? That's right. And I, I said, boom, it's, it's, I, I sent it back. I said, you just, just sold me. I'm, it's, that's what it is. And the next day I launched the company as that name. Yeah. I love the name. I think it's a great name. And we, and in the name, I also didn't, I think it, our, you know, with Cody Bernard, we, we took the, the stance that we want our names on the door. Right. And I don't, I don't think that's a good idea for companies. I think you need to go with a name like five cat studio, like dig. I think it, it's easier to brand and it's easier to, there's more longevity to the company. I think that way. Yeah. And I, I think it can, yeah, exactly. You can, it, it can outlive its owners. Very much so. Cause I mean, I, my partner is probably 20, 20 or so years, my senior. And from our, from the get go, I've always told him once, once the day you retire is the day Cody Renard stops existing. Cause there's no way I'd, purchase you know buy him out of the company it right. just doesn't make sense yeah so with dig it's a construction management firm right that's that's essentially what it is that's that's all it is right now and yes. it's and but, it's and it's only employee right now is you <laughs> employee um it is construction management but and i purposely named it architecture so it actually could 
be an architecture company, it, it's qualified by the state as architecture. But as I've noticed around town, more and more builders are putting design build in their company tagline. And anybody can call themselves design build as long as they have the build side right. license because you don't need to be licensed to use the word design. And I thought about it and realistically to me, architecture is always the full encompassing project. It's from the day we do our research on the client to the day we hand them the keys. That's architecture. And builders, unless they have an architect on staff, can't use the word architecture in their name. Right, because you so I use Yeah, so I use the name, I use architecture to kind of single myself out a little bit in this in this realm. Yeah, so it's a strategic move to use the word architecture because other other construction companies, other construction managers, unless they're architects, can't use that word. And, and there isn't any in our market. Yeah, yeah so that's a great, a great idea. Um, how are you providing those construction management services? There's different ways of, of doing that, right? With in terms of liability and, and contract structure, how are you how are you doing that? Yeah, right now for our first project, uh, we're everybody's contracted to me. Um, so we're kind of the one, I'm, uh, I, I keep saying we, <laughs> I'm the one point, uh, I'm the one point, uh, point of contact. Everything will go through dig. Uh, we've contracted, uh, we're actually working on finalizing all the contracts right now for our first build project, uh, contracted a builder that I've worked with a lot over the past five years and that I do trust. Um, and I think that's kind of why I brought him on board is just I had a, a relationship with him that I don't have with many other builders. Um, and then so everything will go through us or me. Yeah. So so the client hired you. Yes. Uh, so let's start from the beginning. The client hired um, Cody Renard Architecture, right, to design the, the, yes. the house. Yeah, they hired us last summer to start designing the house. And then they asked you to build a house and you developed this company in response to their request, but in finally developing something that you've been thinking about for a long time. So this was sort of the catalyst to, yes. to make it happen. Yeah, um, this was the stepping off point. And then you signed a second contract with them through DIG to build the house. Yes. And, and the contractors are now working directly for you. So they've hired uh, DIG Architecture, and then you're subcontracting essentially the rest of the project uh, through dig to build is that correct yeah that's correct okay so there's two different ways of managing construction as an architect uh, at five cat studio we uh, offer that as well we used to do it a lot uh, recently we've actually cut back on that just because of the the manpower involved in doing that but um, you can do it as a constructor um, AIA contracts have two different construction management contracts uh, one is to work as a constructor where which is what you're doing Somebody's hiring you to construct the building, and then you're subcontracting that work uh, to to builders and contractors. The other alternative to that, which is what we do, uh, is to work as an advisor. And so the contracts would go th through directly through us to the owner. So the owner essentially hires those subcontractors directly, uh, but we're managing all the paperwork. We're managing all the relationships. So all the, the actual payments are direct from the subcontractors to the owner. Um, and there's some liability issues in there as well. Being a full constructor, 
as a different liability than a than a advisor, uh, which may be why some some architects go one way or the other. There's certainly a lot more control uh, and a lot more leverage <laughs> and quality control in the way you're doing it. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a control freak as it is, and uh, very particular about how a lot of things are done, and the the issues of liability, especially in in our how things are evolving in the world of architecture, those issues are becoming less of a concern to me. I mean, if something goes wrong, everyone's getting sued, and you know, that's why you have your insurance in place is to protect yourself and to protect your client. Right. So the as an architect, we're liable for everything we're doing already. So um, if during construction there's an issue and uh, and the contractor is is being sued, then there's a good chance that the architect will be sued as well. And your insurance, your uh, your professional liability insurance should be in place to be able to protect you from that. Um, so to take the leap to construction and add some additional liability on top of what you're already liable for in your, in your term, in your feeling is not a, uh, not a, a huge leap to take, to, to take on that additional liability. Not in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and you end and, up, and especially, especially in residential architecture. Um, you know, I don't know what the climate is up, up where you guys are, but at least my partner's been, like I said, in this for a long time and never been sued. Um, I've been I've done probably twenty plus houses uh, since we opened the company, and I mean no one's ever been sued on any projects. You, I mean, there's in in our area there's this dry the gossip is so strong that there's a drive to succeed, at, in, especially in the beach community. That if you, you just know that. <clears throat> If, if you do one client wrong in the furthest southern point of where we work, everybody in the furthest northern point is going to know about it the next day. And since most of our work is word of mouth, we just, we can't, we can't afford to have people talking badly about us. So, and everybody understands that on the build side. So, you know, you got to do it right. Right. So, so there's not a whole... Um, there's not a tremendous leap in in liability. There's not a tremendous leap in risk to to take on this new venture. I mean, there. I mean, obviously, there's a tremendous leap in liability, but I don't think the risk is that great of a leap. Yeah, um, is much greater. And and there are several rewards. What would you consider? Why Why did you do this? Why Why would you? take on that additional liability and additional responsibility? The first was, um, <laughs> you, you may not like this, this order based on, on your theories, but I mean, my, my first, <laughs> my first reasoning was a growing frustration. There aren't a lot of, um, builders here that I feel are qualified to do uh, good contemporary work. They just, they don't have the teams that fully understand what goes into a contemporary house for years and years. It's coastal. It's Florida's rendition of Mediterranean architecture. And that's what people know. And that's what they're good at. When you all of a sudden throw something, throw a curveball, not a lot of people get it. And so it was the main leap was quality control. If we're going to be doing uh, new materials as, as, 
as our exterior sheathing that people aren't used to. I want to make sure that I'm there to make sure they're doing right and how it should be installed and not the framers aren't taking liberties because it's easier to, to do it this way because they, they don't look at the very few people and I've even noticed more, more builders, they're not looking at the big picture all the time, which is a shame because you know, if you make this little change here, it has the butterfly effect. Sometimes, and I've I've had I had that on pro, happen on pro, multiple projects, where I wasn't contracted or commissioned to be as involved in, in construction. It's CA is always the first thing that gets on the chopping block with a lot of clients. They don't understand why it's important, and you have the builders chirping in there. You don't need the architect here; he doesn't need to be here. Um, so, really, that's kind of what started it. And then as I was involved with bid processes, you start to see what the fees are that the builders are making. And, right. and there is that desire to get a little piece of that. Um, so I can't say it's all strictly design um, driven. I can't say it's strictly business driven. It's probably a bit of both. Yeah, as, as it should be, in my opinion. I think that um, there... In order to be an architect and make the money we need to make to, to pay our bills and to live the lifestyles we want to live and to, to feed our families, we need to figure out alternative ways of, of providing services. And I think um, an architect who's already doing construction administration, it's not a huge leap to take the additional time and responsibility to do construction management and get paid quite a bit for it. I mean, when we do it, we double our fee. We, it's essentially, actually it's more. Um, it's the construction management end of things is a higher fee than our architecture fee. So we more than double our fee uh, when we take on a project to do construction management. Um, so it's, it's definitely worth it financially. Um, and the fact that you have a, uh, a project that you end up with that is built the way you want it built and detailed the way you want it detailed helps you market that project to your next client. Yeah, and there was a third thing that I didn't really mention, but um, I like to build stuff. And I like to understand how things go together. And every opportunity I can, to, when we're doing new products on site, I, I'm out there. I was just out on a site for a house that I didn't design even yesterday because they had a, a builder that's doing a house with me. They had a material that I'm interested in and we're using on another project, but they had the rep there from Miami, and he was kind of going out, you know, over all the ins and the outs project or the product and how to install it. And I was there yesterday learning everything I could about that, and that interests me a lot. So I think the, there's a, I think that helps make you a better architect too is understanding the construction better more intimately um, and then starting to really keep in tune with budgets and numbers uh, though that that world changes so much from project to project as you know that unless you're up on estimating it's hard to keep track of what plywood costs today yeah what wood costs today it's you know, so that was another driving factor is to I'm more involved with that, even at one project at a time. I, I can make all my other projects better, yeah. in my opinion, because I know that I have that information in my back pocket. Yeah, I totally agree. It makes you a better architect. 
Um, I, I mean, just I mean, one of the things that I talk about with young architects is to get them out on the, the job site during construction, um, just because that, that way they can see how things are, are actually built, that it's not just some lines on paper, um, that uh, they can see how houses are framed. And, and it also, on the other side of things, it also helps you uh, understand how general contractors think and how the relationships are connected and will help you become a better leader when you're on the job site by being out there in the construction site. Um, and so there's so many advantages to doing what you're doing. I think it, it, uh, it ultimately uh, helps you financially. It helps you personally be a better architect. It makes you happy because you like being out there. Um, and it certainly benefits your architecture firm to, to have that. I would also say from a marketing point of view, it, it adds more confidence uh, to your clients, that your clients, when you design these modern houses that are not as common in Florida as the Mediterranean homes, and you and they like it, but they're nervous because they're not sure that it's going to work in that climate or that it's going to be built properly. When you stand up and say, well, I'm going to build it for you and I'm going to make sure that it works. And I've done this before. And I think that adds a lot of confidence to your client um, and will give you a lot more trust to design and build what you really want to design and build. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's something um, as we were setting this company up and talking to some people, um, previous clients, uh, family members and whatnot, you know, we, we do, uh, we didn't mention this yet, but we do all our work in Revit. So we build, we build a model and we, I'm pretty particular about how the model is built in our office. Probably not the most time effective all the times and the things I do to make my models correct. But we're building that model of the house in the office so we know some of the pitfalls already of the design of areas that need attention. And I try to be out on all our projects when I, when I know those things are coming up so we can talk through them. But this being you know, transitioning to being the lead on the build side, you know, you kind of, you're already there and you're con contracted to be there. So um, we're hoping to pull what we do in Revit and expand even what we do in Revit to better fit what we're doing with DIG. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting how the two companies will start helping one another. They'll start um, improving both of them together will end up being better than them apart. I hope so, and I, I think uh, I think that's you know we I don't know um, what route Dig will take after Build One. Um, I think it'll evolve because it was a little rushed, and uh, I'm I'm happy with that. You know, as as the only owner, evolution's easy. Yeah, and uh, I you know I can't. I don't. I, I don't know how we'll approach the next project. Well, it's it's going to be a learning experience, and which, which in our realm, every project we do should be a learning experience. We should never get comfortable, and we should always push ourselves to do more for our clients. So I think as we work through this first one, I know it's gonna, there's going to be some rough patches because it's the first time we. Not only is it a custom house, it's the first time this house has ever been built. It's the first time we've kind of gone through this concept. And, uh, you know, there'll be things to iron out, some things to change on build number two, but um, I'm excited about it. And I think uh, 
I think we're going to do some good things. Yeah. Do you, were there any um, mistakes that you made along the way in, in, in other than kind of pushing it and rushing it? Um, were there any lessons learned that, that you would do differently or that if somebody else was interested in doing what you're doing that you would warn them uh, to do it differently? I don't think, I mean, not so far from my stance, uh, you know, setting up a company was still relatively fresh in my mind, um, having done it six years ago. But there are, there, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into setting up a company from uh, getting it registered, getting your, um, you know, getting registered with the IRS, getting registered with the state, getting state approval for your name. Uh, if you're going to have your, your company as in Florida as a licensed company to practice in, in one area that takes several weeks. So it's not like something it took time. It took a month and a half to set the company up just to be able to call it that probably. And so it's not something you can just like wake up tomorrow and say, I want to do this company out of this name and this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it today. It takes some time to set up. So always give your time, you know, expect that and give yourself time for that. Um, other than that, I haven't run into any pitfalls that I re regret making a move on yet. Was uh, tell me the, the the explain the choice to to start a new company and not provide construction management services under Cody Renard. <laughs> that that's there's a couple reasons behind it. We my partner has a lot of relationships with some builders, and we didn't want to off put them. Mm -hmm. And at least if 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 any anybody he had relationships with gets upset by what I'm doing and I got I hope nobody gets upset by what, what I'm doing but if they would he can at least say well that's Nick's harebrained idea right um, I'm not part of it and the other there was I mean and there's a lots of little factors that went into it too it was you know, being on the construction management side was always something more I was into anyway um, didn't want to bring that liability you know that side of the liability of the company right um just wanted to keep the two separate just to keep a and i know and i know there's and i did i've done a lot of research into that i know there's firms that operate in that manner there's firms that operate all in one hole and i think there's pluses and minuses to doing both but being in a realm where we still serve uh, our primary business is to still serve our clients and work with builders to to build the projects I felt it was better to keep Cody Renard as this professional thing and let Dig be what it is um, as a separate thing that he does one. I mean, like I said, I'm only in it to to manage one project at a time. I'm not not going to take on another build until this one is pretty substantially complete. Um, if the opportunity would arise, the only t the only way that I think that works is if Dig hires another architect or Cody Renard hires an architect that also works at Dig. Yeah. Um, because you can't you just you, I, you can't do it all. Right. I think the, probably the biggest the biggest reason for the separate company is the liability. Um, you know, That's, from, yeah. you know outside of your specific situation, but um, but. Uh, it, the alternative to that is what we do is we don't have a separate company. We do it under under uh, McCarthy LePage Architects, which is Five Cat Studio, um, and uh, and our professional liability covers us for uh, up to ten percent of our overall work. So as long as we keep our construction management services below ten percent of our total uh, amount of work that we're doing, uh, 
we're covered under our, our insurance policy. So if anybody's considering doing uh, construction management under their current policy, you want to check your current policy with your carrier to make sure that you are covered to do construction management. That's also why we only work uh, as advisors, because our policy will cover us as advisors. It will not cover us as constructors. If we are uh, directly responsible for means and methods, it's a different policy. Yeah, and that's another piece of advice I'd, I'd give to people is if you're going, if, if this is an approach that you're looking at, get ready to get ready to see a big uh, policy increase. <laughs> um, I mean, I think for um, Cody Renard, our for the amount of work we do um, in our annual billing, our premium was less than what Dig is for one house. For the lot, even at, at just acting as the construction management, not even being the builder of records, so um, it is a, a large jump in your premium, and be conscious of that. Right, and you have to make sure that the the fee that you're that you're being paid is covering uh, those expenses. So it's Very a big much so. so it's a big jump, but you 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 know if you're running the business properly, that then all of the of those expenses plus profit should be. Uh, covered in how much you're getting paid to do that work. Yeah, and right now there's very little overhead with Dig. Everything is managed um, and run off my my laptop, and so we we we, we use a autumn or cloud based construction management program. Um, yeah. What Builder are you? What are you using? Builder Trend. Builder Trend. Okay. Yeah, we're just I'm just doing going through all the tutorials. And whatnot to understand that program. It's a very complex program, but I felt it was the best way to keep everybody on the team in loop. Can't say that our subcontractors will use it, but at least the core members of the team will will use it and be able to keep um, up to date with what everybody else is doing. Right. It's a it's a very interesting model that you that you're proposing, and I like the idea that you're doing it one project at a time. So you can uh, you can kind of test it on the first project and and make sure and refine the systems and make sure that it really works really well, um, and then just do it you know improve it on every project thereafter uh, until you want to grow it beyond that. Yeah, it, yeah. Right now, it's it's very much just an idea and a test, and I'm glad I have someone that has the confidence in me to to move forward with them on it. So yeah, well, you'll have to keep us posted on on progress. How can people uh, follow you? You have sure, some... sure. Go ahead. We're do, we. I have a lot of things planned for the progress of this build. Um, you can follow. You can. I mean, you can. The best way to to find all our social media accounts and our website is www.dig/architecture.com. You can also find us on at codyrenard.com, and through that through those two websites you can get to our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter accounts. Uh, we'll be using Instagram and Facebook a lot for the construction side of our first house with Dig. So you'll be able to follow along there. We'll probably have some blog posts on it and then keep the website up to date with plenty of construction photos. Uh, we're going to look at doing some time-lapse videos of the construction and really kind of experiment, experiment with different things we do to show off that work too. Okay, so that's that's excellent. So I'll uh, put links to both Cody Renard and Dig Architecture uh, on the show notes, as well as uh, links to your Twitter handle and your 
uh, Instagram so everybody can follow along and see how, how you're doing. They could uh, also connect with you, I assume, through the websites, through email, through the websites. Is that correct? Yeah. So if anybody, oh, yeah. If anybody has any questions, yeah. I'm, uh, my emails. I think my email is on the, web, on the DIG website, but if not, it's on Cody or Nardi. You can find me on Twitter or Facebook. You know I'm there enough. Yeah, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll follow along. If anybody has any questions, you can email uh, Nick directly. And uh, thanks very, very, very much, Nick, for for uh, sharing what you're doing, so others can learn from what you're doing. No problem. Yeah. Thanks. Have Thank a great. You. You're welcome. Me today, Mark. All right. Have have a great day. Thank you. So if you're interested in learning more about what Nicholas is up to, visit him at CodyRenard.com. That's C-O-T-E-R-E-N-A-R-D.com. That's his architecture firm. Or Dig-Architecture.com. D-I-G-Architecture.com. That's his construction management firm. And if you like this episode or any of the other episodes of the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, please go to iTunes and leave me a review or a rating or both because this is how you may help me spread the word about Entrepreneur Architect and our mission to become an influential force in this profession. And let me tell you, it is happening. I have big news coming up. I can't talk about it yet, but stay with me. Big news happening. We're becoming an influential force in this profession. So please go rate and review the the podcast on iTunes and spread the word, entrearchitect.com slash iTunes or in iTunes, just search for Entrepreneur Architect and you'll find me there. And just a reminder about Entrepreneur Architect Academy. I would love for you to learn more about that. Go to entrearchitect.com slash academy and find out what's going on there. And today you can find the show notes and a direct link download to this episode at entrearchitect.com slash episode 63. And before I go, quote of the week, my idol, Thomas Alva Edison. I find my greatest pleasure and so my reward in the work that precedes what the world calls success. I'm going to say it again. I find my greatest pleasure and so my reward in the work that precedes what the world calls success. What is it that you are working on today that tomorrow the world will call success? My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect. I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. mentioned it to my family but in terms of telling people like oh yeah we're doing this i'm looking for projects you got anything yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me dreaming of launching your own architecture firm well, well buckle up for a wild ride with emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm where do we begin we don't even know what type of business to formalize as is it an llc is it an llp like how are taxes i mean the list is astronomical <laughs> Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris 
Owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.